RadioInfluence.com. Listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 101260 with your questions, comments, or smart ass remarks. Welcome to Crush Performance. I am Jeff Crushell. The con man is here behind the glass, and we are your weekly source for performance information. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. We got a jam-packed show, and if you want to reach out to us, do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Check out Crush Performance, and we will hook you up with the world of performance. Well, a really, really big show today. It is Super Bowl weekend. And uh, I, I love this time of year, again, like many other times a year. But any time we get to see a championship game in any of the pro leagues, um, I'm really digging it. And today is no exception for sure. We're also going to be kicking off the Crush 2020 War on Sugar campaign. We're going to do a little review of where we're at, what we know, and we're going to set up this season for the Crush War on Sugar. Our goal is to dedicate one show per month to the war on sugar. And that doesn't include just the downside and dangers of the amount of sugar we're consuming. We're going to look at what you can do to manage, adjust, and tweak your diet for top performance. And we're going to be talking to some of the world's top minds in this area. So uh, get ready for that. And uh, later today, we're also in lieu or in honor of the Super Bowl weekend. We're going to look at exactly how much food do we consume on Super Bowl Sunday. It is incredible. We'll get to that later in the show. Uh, Connor, hey, thanks for coming in today. I know that uh, Saturday, you had a busy week, and I know Saturdays are, are tough for you to get in, but man, so glad you were able to make it into the studio. Oh, crushed. Uh, not a problem at all. It's 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 quite easy, in fact. I, I love this, and you're talking Super Bowl right now, so... This is my jam. This is where I want to be. I love it, man. And you, of course, were up in Jasper last weekend. Jasper in oh, January yeah. was fantastic. Clacker was in uh, covering for you. We had a great show last week, but I wanted to get into it. How was your relaxing weekend in the mountains? Oh, it was so good. Uh, I, we go to Banff sometimes, and I don't love that drive. Highway 2 is usually a mess, but going out to Jasper was so nice. A peaceful drive. The roads aren't a mess. You don't have jerks weaving in and out. It was just a nice drive up there, and... Yeah, we, we enjoyed, went up to the uh, Just Park Lodge, had some lunch there, enjoyed the, the night festival that they had. They had fireworks and everything, oh, and awesome. their candy shop is probably the best <laughs> one. So, yeah, well, I mean, hey, I, kicking I'm, off the war on sugar, man. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I'm a connoisseur of the candy, and hey, I, man, I, I love, love the shop that they have up in Jasper. So, it, a very good time. It's a great one. We take the kids there all the time, and it's all about moderation, right? But that's part of the fun and the, uh, I guess, the the atmosphere of Jasper. We're, we're in a really, really great spot here. We're close to two 
very, very special places on Earth, which is Banff National Park and Jasper National Park. So good for you. I'm glad you got out. But I know you are fired up. And uh, so are we. Uh, it is Super Bowl weekend. And, and there's a lot going on this weekend. Actually, I just coached our my daughter's soccer team. We were in a big tournament this weekend, uh, sort of positioning for cities and provincial championships. And, and it's interesting. You know, one of our goals, and it's a community league team. And one of our goals is to sort of manage the time, keep it really, really fun for the girls, but also help them get better at the game. They really enjoy getting better, but injury-free is is uh, is our number one goal. Is and we have came came uh, up with a a real strategic warm-up period that we use, not just to get them ready for the game, but also to increase their athleticism and also help them become more athletic. It's a movement-based warm-up in hopes of helping the girls you know, decrease risk of injury and be ready for the games. And uh, we, uh, Right now, we're dealing with a little bit of turf, though, that shift going from outdoor to indoor. One of our uh, star forwards, Sammy Z, uh, came up with a little uh, turf toe today. And turf toe is nasty, nasty business. Everything about indoor soccer is nasty business. That turf, I mean, you slide, you're going to cut up the legs, the boards are dangerous, but such a fun fast sport. Hopefully Sammy's okay and not out for too long, and, and hopefully your team picks up the gold there. I love the, I love the weekend tournaments. It doesn't matter the sport. I know Streddy's out in Canmore with his son for hockey tournament. Those are the best times to bond for yeah. the team. Yeah, it's really great getting the team together to get, you know, a different, different atmosphere, different group, and it's tons of fun. So yeah, Sammy, she's a tough one, so she'll be fine for sure. All right, let's get on with it. A big show today. We got to get after it. Um, of course, it is Super Bowl weekend and the crush text question of the day. In your humble or bold opinion, what is the best sporting event on the calendar? Uh, Connor, I'm going to throw this right at you with Super Bowl looming tomorrow. Uh, what is the best sporting event on the calendar out of any of them? Uh, what's your favorite one? It's the Super Bowl. I yeah. mean, it's a spectacle. And similar to maybe Champions League in soccer, where it's the one game. You have to win that game. I know in, in hockey, baseball, basketball, of course, you have the series where you could lose couple games and you still have a chance to win in this one it's all the marbles one game's a spectacle and that's what i love about it so i really enjoy the games where it's one and done so champions league and super bowl would be right up there for me yeah and i like that answer that's a pretty cool answer and, and I, I tend to agree with you there it's a big massive event and even the road to the super bowl and the build-up to this event is so so huge and of course the nfl does it right right i mean they do a really really good job of this um but even the build-up to get to the super bowl and and to follow teams together, even if your team's not in this event, you still want to watch, right? Absolutely. I mean, they always bring the fun halftime shows. So you got JLo and Shakira. And then the social gathering part of it. You can just meet up with a bunch of friends. You can go out somewhere and watch the game. I think it leads to a tough Monday for a lot of people. You kind of <laughs> indulge a little bit on the snacks and the alcohol. But This is where you throw in the mulligan for Monday, right? <laughs> exactly. The wise man takes this Monday off. But I think it's, it's become more than just a football game. It's, it's an event that people want to go out and watch and take it all in. There's so much you can gamble on. And I, it's not for everybody, but a lot of people who maybe aren't a serious football fan, they can gamble on. The color of the Gatorade that's poured on the coach, how long the anthem will go, you know, random facts. Will they show old pictures? Will they utter a term throughout the game? It's it's just things like that where I think everybody, even the non-football fans, even the non-sports fans, can find a way to get interested in this game. I agree. You know, it's it's really cool because, you know, my group of friends, uh, they're not big NFL fans. They they watch the CFL, huge NHL fan group, big, big baseball fan group. But my group of friends um, get together for, there's always a Super Bowl party. 
every single year. And it's just fun because even, you know, like my wife's not a big football fan, but she gets out and it's such a great social gathering. And I guess, you know, maybe this is one of the powers of sport beyond sport. It gets people together and we're cheering. And of course, in the media all week long, it's been fantastic to follow the media. The coverage leading up to this game, you get to know the personalities a little bit and um, everybody's sort of fired up, even if they're not big fans. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that that's why I, I love it because that just brings people together. You're going to go watch a sporting event. I, I know I'll be out at a, a local establishment promoting that during the game. That's going to be a good time. But for your Super Bowl party, I mean, that sounds like a pretty good time. I, I didn't get the invite this year, Crush. What's up with that? Yeah, you know what? I, I got a late invite as well, to tell you the truth. I think it was a matter of who's hosting this year. So we're going to get together. And it's a bunch of my high school friends, university oh, friends. Nice, they just, nice. You know, guy friends from from long gone. So, yeah, I know it's fun. And, of course, they are inviting their friends. So it just turns into this massive social gathering. There's trash talk. There's jerseys. There's face painting. It's just great stuff. Hey, on the text line, keep up coming. Our text question of the day. In your humble or bold opinion, what is the best sporting event on the calendar? Well, out of about the 30 we've gotten so far, we got tennis, the U.S. Open, I agree. The U.S. Open is spectacular. Even if you're not a tennis fan, that is one to watch. There is no doubt. But here we go. Um, the Daytona 500, the World Cup, hands down. And that's going to be a tough one to argue against because the World Cup every four years is a big one. But um, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Final Four, which is also a big one coming up, ladies and gentlemen, by the way. And uh, Stanley Cup final game seven and again the super bowl all right uh later in the show we are going to be talking about how much food do we actually consume on super bowl sunday how many billions of chicken wings are going to be consumed and how many hundreds of millions of gallons of beer (laughs) are going to be consumed it is the second largest consumption day next to thanksgiving so uh, we'll go over some of those numbers coming up in the next segment ladies and gentlemen we're going to be talking with ricky ying who is the performance nutrition director for the oakland uh, Raiders. Uh, they're on the move to Vegas. A very, very exciting time for that organization. And we're going to talk to Ricky about, you know, what it takes to feed an NFL roster and some of the strategies they're using at the highest level of the game to make sure they're getting the most from each player. It's a very, very interesting conversation, and I can't wait to talk to Ricky about all the things they're doing there. We're going to talk to him about pre- and post-game planning. We're going to talk about hydration and electrolytes and um, why every athlete needs to be cautious of fad diets uh, because there's a lot of misinformation out there, and sometimes even athletes get caught up in the hype of some of the fad diets you might see um, on TV, and it does not work for performance. You know, we always kind of jokingly um, mess around with our athletes. You know, if they want to be a, a swimsuit model on the front of magazines and stuff, that is a totally different program than being a performance athlete in football, basketball, swimming, or wherever, you know, they followed their passions. It's a very, very different type of program. Here's an interesting thing, though. Um, body image issues are sky high in sports. And that has to do with their appearance. And because they're in the spotlight, there's a lot of pressure. Uh, believe it or not, it's a big, big issue in sport. We're going to be talking about that later in the year as well. Because for a lot of parents out there, you might not be aware of it. And it goes right alongside with our PED talks and, and where the fastest and largest growing user groups in performance and also um, aesthetic looking um, performance enhancing drugs 
uh, are coming from. And it is teenagers and middle school students who aren't even related to sport. So it's an interesting conversation, but we're going to talk to Ricky about the fad diets as well. And then later in the show, we're going to reset the crush war on sugar. Where are we at? What do we know? And what do you need to be thinking about every time you go to the supermarket for your health, for your family's health, and for the health of everybody around you, your students, your athletes, and your employees or co-workers. Uh, very, very important conversation. And again, we're going to be dedicating one show each month to the Crush War on Sugar to help you get your heads around this big, rapidly changing world of performance nutrition. So uh, coming up after the break, we are going to talk with Ricky Ng, the Performance Nutrition Director for the Oakland Raiders. It's coming up right after this. Everybody stick around. A big conversation on Crush Performance right after this. You're listening to Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the Crush blogs, podcasts, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. Back to the show, everybody. Jeff Cushell here, the con man. We're your weekly source for performance information. Hey, questions, comments, smart remarks, reach out to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at crushperformance is the email. We answer every single message we get. Or if you have a topic or something you'd like us to investigate, let us know. We may dedicate a segment or an entire episode to your idea. Or if you're just looking for some help, here's what I can guarantee you. If we don't have the answers, we know somebody that does, and we will get them for you. So reach out and don't even hesitate. Speaking of no hesitation, the crush text question of the day. Get to us. In your humble or bold opinion, what is the best sporting event on the calendar? And Connor, so far and by far, Super Bowl is ranking number one here. But I do like the idea of the U.S. Open. I had a chance to go to the U.S. Open a couple times, and it is really, really fun to watch. And you don't have to be a big tennis fan to enjoy that. I've never been to a big NASCAR event, but I'm imagining the Daytona 500 would be a super cool event to go to. That's another one to me that would be a spectacle. I'd like to just go watch and take in the whole experience, not just the race, but kind of the tailgating, the people, the crowds. I think it'd be awesome. Yeah. And for me, I'm not going to cop out here, but you know, somebody mentioned the Stanley Cup, uh, game seven. Man, Game 7 in anything. I just, if you can get a Game 7 anywhere, and I think that goes back to kind of your point about the Super Bowl, it's a one-and-done type deal, and that's part of the draw. Yeah, and I, I I just think for me, and I mean, my girlfriend is, enjoys some sports, but isn't a diehard or anything, but when it's one game, they're going to tune in for that one. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to be too invested. You don't need to know the backstory. It's just one game, and that's it. So even the World Cup of Soccer comes in here, that, the final for that. I mean, that whole event is outstanding, but it's a long span of events. But the final, great entertainment. Yeah, I agree. For me, I've always wanted to go to the Triple Crown in horse racing. And I think that would be one thing on my bucket list that I really do want to try to accomplish to get to all three of those races. Even if there's not a horse going for the Triple Crown, um, my dad was always a big horse racing fan. I remember uh, going to see the horses with him. Uh, such a good, cool thing. We used to watch the races on TV. Uh, for me, that would be another big event. Even if you're not a horse racing fan, I think, you know, when there is a Triple Crown threat, Everybody's watching. Oh, absolutely. And that's another one where, you, like, you don't have to watch the whole day. 
you could kind of tune in for that race and throw a couple bucks down on maybe an underdog or something. But that that is one of the most exciting moments. It's almost kind of like, and not the Triple Crown, but when you get the 100-meter final. Yeah, You sit right. down, you're going to be locked in for that final stretch of the race. Maybe it's a little 200-meter, but when it's the 100-meter, you got 15 seconds. You just have to watch for it. Those type of things, I think, are the most compelling. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. All right. Speaking of performance and speaking about nutrition, and again, we'll be kicking off and resetting the Crush War and Sugar here coming up after the next break. But right now, I wanted to get... Um, into a conversation about performance nutrition, uh, not about what we're eating over the course of the Super Bowl. If I told you that North America will consume well over 1 billion chicken wings, would you be surprised? <laughs> well, uh, I'm not, and we're going to go over those numbers in the next segment. That's not necessarily the diet for athletes. So we wanted to hone in and talk about nutrition for athletes. And who better in lieu and of the uh, Super Bowl weekend than our good friend Ricky Ng, who is the Performance Nutrition Director for the Oakland Raiders. Ricky, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be back. How well, you doing, sir? Very good. Well, very timely as well. Super Bowl weekend, and we know there's going to be food and beverages and tons and millions of gallons being consumed this year so really good time to have a talk and of course we're early in the new year as well and uh man what an exciting time for you guys making the move to las vegas let me uh, start there how's this been going Uh, this has got to be a really exciting time for the team yeah absolutely jeff uh culinary capital of the world so it's it's been great just i've been here since monday and even throughout the the season, since I got on board, there's been uh, trips coming out and just really learning the Las Vegas landscape. Uh, every region that you go to, you're going to have access to different vendors. You're, there's a, and we're blessed in that there's quite a few organizations that are here already from a sporting standpoint, and everybody has been very open to give an insight. And it really, it's really cool to see how the city is embracing uh, the team's move coming in here. Everybody's very supportive of it. I can imagine Vegas, man, NFL in Vegas. And not only that, just thinking about your job and the job of feeding a team that size uh, and helping the athletes and the players get the most out of their performance, it's a big deal. Yes. Yep. And, and really, I've been blessed in being able to take the last year and really get to know the guys that we have on our roster. And, and it's no different than, than any other team. So you really got to know who you're feeding before you can really dive into uh, doing anything with them. You got to learn who they are. You got to learn what makes them tick. And especially with our guys' profiles. That's one of the biggest things that we've been focusing on is where are they from? And especially within the confines of a long season, you're, you're there, you're putting in your hours. Uh, everybody's seeing each other seven days a week. And food is one of those things where it can really make or break somebody's day. And it can really drive somebody to, to either hit the wall in the middle of the season, and, and which can lead to an injury, or it can really help us sustain them and just keep them standing for the rest of the season. And it's all about career longevity. Can you stay healthy? Because, because an injured athlete isn't going to do a whole lot of good. No question. And, and I like this concept, Ricky. You know, maybe have players from the Deep South. I've been down there. The food is very different and fantastic. You go up to the Northeast, the food is different and fantastic, but different. And not only that, uh, sport, you know, basically every sport's getting more international. So if you have players from Latin America or from Europe in, in the NHL or, or soccer clubs coming together, um, getting maybe a little taste of home is really, really important. I like the concept of really understanding the players and what they like to eat yeah everybody's got their comfort food Jeff and especially for the guys in 
we got a lot of guys that are coming from the south and uh for myself i'm not from that region i spent a, a mild chunk of time in uh in that region and you really do notice a difference in how they approach eating it's something that they've grown up eating and so all of a sudden if you take somebody from uh far east and you put them over into the west coast uh you're gonna get a very different style of cuisine and if we're not able to gauge feedback on the guys and uh, they and we end up setting a meal room uh, to which we think is a really good spread but then when they walk in there uh it's it's foods that are unfamiliar and oftentimes it takes a lot of um relationship building in order for the guys to trust you and know that there is uh, a rationale behind consuming what you want to consume and consuming what you need to consume, uh, especially to be able to outlast the demands of the season. We're talking with Ricky Ying, the Performance and Nutrition Director for the Oakland Raiders. Ricky, I'm so glad to have you on. And actually, I'm really, really glad you're with the Oakland Raiders. They're my favorite team ever since I was a kid. So I'm really excited that you're there helping the team out and, and, and helping them, you know, enter this new era in the club as they move to Vegas. Um, you know, for athletes out there, and you've worked pretty much at every level from the Olympic athletes, you've worked in pretty much every single sport. Um, is there a lot of difference between the pregame regime, say, between NHL, MLB, NBA basketball, the volleyball guys, and maybe your NFL guys. There are strategies yeah, for pregame, postgame, and recovery meals. How has that been different for you? And, and have you seen a lot of differences between those sports? Uh, I, honestly, it, when it comes down to pre-during and post-healing of athletes, even within our team, you get so many different identities. You see so many different approaches. And and regardless of sport, uh, I've, there's a lot of common denominators in in how athletes approach feeling. Uh, as they get older, they start to realize what works for them and what doesn't work for them. Uh, but at the same time, you're always wondering, what could we do differently? What could we do that may be able to enhance your performance a little bit longer, especially with football being a four-quarter sport? Uh, the thing that I always like to tell our guys is a lot of – just about anybody is able to play for the first two quarters. But what's really going to define you is that your part is the third and fourth. And a lot of that is is going to be techniques in feeling, in hydrating, uh, especially the day of and the night before and even during. Uh, everybody approaches it differently, and, and you need to. There's guys that just cannot tolerate a whole lot of volume. You get guys where in the past uh in while they were in junior high high school or even in, in college uh they may have been told to ensure that they're feeling before a game and they may have consumed the wrong things and end up vomiting or ended up feeling very very heavy because they ate too close to the game and the composition of the meal ended up ended up working against them uh, as opposed to working for them so uh, regardless of sport, uh, I found that the approach is very similar and that you have to identify who you have in front of you, uh, even especially with our, our sport. There's so many different positions, so many different weights, um, and the demands of each position is so different. And, and over time, especially with this season, it's just interesting to, uh, to just, just get to know them. And you're always just looking for the lowest hanging fruit. You don't want to throw something at them um, and that is textbook. Uh, but at the same time, it doesn't work for them. And you have to be able to know when to turn it off. And, and the goal, to me, when you're a practitioner, you got to have multiple tools, and you got to know which tool to pull out when. Mm-hmm. I really like it, Ricky. And it sounds to me like routine and sort of individual planning is really, really important, whether it's a basic weekly and daily pregame, game day planning, pregame day planning. Uh, I really like the idea of routine and keeping it familiar, right? 
Yeah, preparation, and and that's what it's all about, especially in our off season, um, in training camp. That's that's a great time where you have the guys around the clock, and uh, a lot of times you're really just trying to learn what works for them. That way, during the in season, you're maintaining routine. Those routines should really be already in place. You're not trying to roll anything new. And uh, a lot of our guys, sometimes in the middle of the season when they don't feel so good because of the wear and tear and the travel that their body goes through, they're going to try to do something aggressive. And, and for them, sometimes it's better to just stay the course and really be diligent as you approach the season. And as you're in the middle of the season, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of long plane rides. And when you come back, they're away from, from family. So oftentimes, as soon as practice is done, they, they want to head back to, to see family as soon as possible because you really are limited in your window to be with family. And so really it's being able to prepare guys and have that routine built in so well uh, that when the end season rolls around and you're in the middle of it, you know, you already have the tools in place and they just got to pull it out and remember that this is a good time to pull out this tool. And I've tried it. I know it works. I just got to reinstate it. I really like that, Ricky. And something you said earlier uh, really resonated with me. Uh, the fact that the older guys, they kind of figure out what works for them. They figure out what they like. For the young athletes out there, and you've seen this and I've seen it as well, some of them get caught up in, ah, uh, what do you want to call it? What do you want to call it? Like modern day fad. nutrition fads. Yeah. Yes. So I wanted to ask you, you know, because a lot of diet, a lot of young athletes get caught up, you know, with body weight, body image. Body image yeah. issues actually really, really big in sports. People don't understand this, but athletes have body image image issues as much or maybe even more than the general public. So they get caught up in these diets, paleo, keto, uh, Atkins, South Beach, all this crazy stuff. How do you approach like the fad diets with the athletes? Uh, really it comes down to education and, uh, and especially for us, it's looking at the demands of the sport and going back to nutrition basics on 101. What is the energy that their body needs to be able to sustain itself uh, for the first the fourth quarter? And honestly, Jeff, there are times where I've had athletes come up to me and all of a sudden uh, you find because you're trying to manage a roster that is uh, quite big. Uh, they may pull something completely out of the hat that they saw on TV and <laughs> right. they end up hitting the wall. Yeah. Uh, and this can be in the middle of the season. And, and I've seen this in hockey, I've seen this in, in football. And, and the biggest thing that I tell our guys uh, is I, I'm, it's great that you didn't get injured and hopefully they didn't get injured because of it. I've, I've heard of guys blocking out um, and they'll, they'll come back and, and it's actually a really good opportunity to teach them the why of why you don't want to implement a whole lot of new tactics, especially in the middle of the season. All of the stuff should be trialed in the off season. And, and if I have an athlete that's very adamant on trying something new, uh, the first step is education. And I, I really want them to be able to approach any decisions informed. So it's all about informed decision making. Be a smart athlete where you know how to identify um, any symptoms or any uh, signs uh, in which you need, you may want to consider stopping. And a lot of it is monitoring with them day to day. So if we're going to try anything and you know all the ins and outs, then you can make that decision. We'll make sure that we support you uh, in working with you and working with a chef, ideally. And at this level, it is quite different. A lot of the guys have their own chefs. And then after that, they're able to give you some really good feedback on whether or not it works. It's just a matter of following up and 
once they're comfortable with you, they're able to give you some very, very intuitive uh, feedback. And what I find too, Jess, is sometimes when we have athletes that will take a aggressive nutrition approach, there are times where they eliminate a lot of bad habits. And so all of a sudden they want to try something new. They want to clean everything up. It's, some, it's like somebody trying to approach a New Year's resolution. I'm going to go cold turkey, no alcohol, uh, cut out all the bad habits, suddenly get an eight hours of sleep as opposed to four hours. And, and as, a, as a result, they feel much better. So if, if we're able to educate them and if we're able to bring in a lot of these good habits that we know is going to work for them and we know what we're looking for, and then, then I'm all for it. I, I would never take the approach of shutting down an athlete right away, but at the end of the day, I need them to make that decision knowing what they're walking into. Yeah, no, great stuff. We're talking with Ricky Ying, the Performance Nutrition Director for the Oakland Raiders. Ricky, interesting stuff, and I have actually seen this at uh, the Major League level. Uh, guys, that, and you kind of mentioned that, that here, I just want to run this one by you because uh, this was a really challenging one for us because uh, this athlete wanted to do it because he saw these guys getting cut and ripped on TV. These guys on TV were not athletes by any way, shape, or form, but it was uh, the intermittent fasting for these guys, yeah. and and uh, he saw it on TV. They talked about the benefits of it. He goes, man, this has got to be for me, and uh, unfortunately, it did not go well at all, so you have to yeah. proceed with caution on these late-night TV things and all these fad diets, right? Yeah, and it's a good lesson uh, to share with other athletes, and I hope he can share something like that to, to other athletes, and the big thing that I like to talk to these guys about is what did you learn from it? For every action, there is a consequence, right? And sometimes the consequence may be a positive outcome. Sometimes they may end up burning you, but the biggest thing is learning what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So when it comes comes to that, yeah, we definitely encountered it. Huh? Even in football, there's a lot of guys that are, as opposed to focusing on feeling for the sport, they're focused on feeling to get a six-pack. And the thing that we talk, to, talk about uh, with them is this is not an aesthetic sport. At the end of the day, this is a performance-based sport. If you're able to perform from the first to the fourth, like we talked about earlier, that's what's going to allow you to be in the league for a long time. There's a lot of people that are showing up ready to play. There's a lot of kids coming out of college. And what you need to do is make sure that you stay standing. You're, you're you're at this level for a reason and for us it's always fine-tuning uh what we can do to keep you up here and keep you healthy and sometimes uh, there there are time and places for where some of these strategies may work but then there may be time and places where it may not work as well mm, well i like what you said earlier as well about stepping away from the textbook and textbooks are great uh, but it doesn't really necessarily always work in the trenches when you're with the guys you have to be flexible and i also like the analogy of having you know tools in your toolbox that you can use um one of the real, I think, challenging areas for athletes out there, and even for coaches at every level, is understanding hydration. There's no real textbook, hey, this number for this athlete, for this sport. Um, it's really got to have a feel for hydration. So how do you guys gauge it? You know, we have your, we have some organizations that will you know, look at the color of urine. We have uh, yeah. some organizations that weigh guys, but you know, what would you recommend for the hockey players who sweat like crazy, or, or warm weather athletes, or certainly your football guys, a warm day with full equipment man these guys are getting uh they're sweating a lot yeah uh for for any athlete they love to look at their own numbers and they love stats especially nowadays we're a very stats driven sport and so that's where weighing them in, weighing them out, along with the tactics of the urine specific gravity is helpful mm -hmm. uh, but it's really looking to see uh, what makes the most sense for that athlete because the USG, the urine specific gravity where you're looking at 
um, the gravity of the uh, solutes that are in your urine to, as a marker of hydration, dehydration, you really got to make sure that you're getting that urine sample first thing in the morning. And so that in itself can present a lot of challenges. For some programs, uh, what might make more sense is, like you said, the way in and way out. There's been times where I've seen athletes in a practice drop double-digit weight. Mm-hmm. And especially in in a hot on a hot summer day, and they don't even realize it. We've also done sweat testing with Gatorade, and it's just really interesting to see. Some guys are not heavy sweaters, but they sweat a lot of salt. So they're high-salt losers, whereas some athletes, they'll lose a lot of sweat. But as far as electrolytes, as far as sodium goes, their sweat doesn't contain as high of a concentration of sodium. So that's where you're going to start to have different approaches to working with athletes uh, one-on-one, especially in a team-based setting, especially with the football team, it presents a lot more challenges than working with a single athlete, especially in an endurance sport. Yeah, no, and it's really interesting. And you bring up the electrolytes, and it's been a big, big challenge. And it's a perplexing one for me as well because we're kind of stepping away from getting our electrolytes inside of our sport drink because it's very, very difficult for a number of the reasons that, that you just mentioned. Some guys will be concentrated sweaters. Some guys will be heavy sweaters. Some guys will be yeah. normal sweaters. And they all have yeah. different needs. Um, and to have uh, your electrolytes tied to a carbohydrate can be really, really tricky business. So are you guys addressing electro- electrolytes separately? Or, or how, how are you guys handling that? So the first year for me was just to really learn the systems. And before we rolled out uh, all of this testing, uh, you really got to know who you're working with and the signs and symptoms. Because there might be guys where, especially with the roster, uh, upwards of 90 guys, and being the only sport dietitian on the team, I'm blessed to, to have one or two assistants throughout the year. Uh, but even then, to, to test all 90 guys, and to be able to manage that data and to be able to establish protocols for each one is not, un, is not realistic. That's where for us, uh, uh, the approach that we've taken is really focused on the guys that are displaying signs and symptoms as, as our goal for the first year right. and to uh, manage and correct that. And then this coming year, especially coming into the desert, that's where we're going to take a more global uh, approach with the guys. And especially at the new facility, there's more technology right now where more programs are setting up different scales where it's a digital collection of guys' numbers and you're able to, to backtrack just to see the trends in fluid loss over time, especially with more aggressive weeks. And so really for us, there's, there's really no right answer there. Uh, there's a lot of products that are higher sodium. I've got some guys that will take quite a bit of uh, sodium as, as far as a precautionary approach. And it's worked well for them mm-hmm. over the course of college and it's gotten them there. Uh, they've come from very hot regions. And, and what we got to realize is there are some athletes that naturally do lose a significant amount of sodium and it can end up putting them down. And when you're trying to get them rehydrated and getting them ready to go, especially for the next day, it does help to have these uh, some of these sodium supplements within reason. We tell our guys, especially on off days, don't, don't worry too much about it. But especially on training days and if we got um, multiple training days in a row, then that's where we put more of a heavy emphasis on it. And it's just a matter of finding the product that works for the guys. Yeah, it goes back to that sort of fundamental thing you mentioned earlier about routine and familiar foods and just getting into a system you're comfortable with. Ricky Ng, the uh, Performance Nutrition Director for the Oakland Raiders. Listen, so excited for you. Uh, it sounds like you might need an assistant. So if you ever need me to come down and serve tables for you guys, 90 guys on the roster, hey, just give me a shout. I'll be there, You'll my be friend. first when I hit up, Jeff. <laughs> Excellent. No about that. Oh, awesome. Hey, listen, I'm very excited for you guys. Uh, please say hi to all the fellas 
does down there for me. And we'll look forward to uh, watching this new stadium come to life here. Congratulations. And, and thanks for your time today, Ricky. Great, great conversation. You got it, Jeff. Thanks for having me. All right, there it is. Ricky Ng, the Performance Nutrition Director for the Oakland Raiders. Fantastic conversation. Uh, you can go back at crushperformance.com as the website. Get that podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast as well and just stay in touch with the world of performance. But uh, I have to thank Ricky for that conversation with the Super Bowl coming up here. Uh, pretty timely. And it's kind of cool to get a glimpse behind the scenes of what goes on in the NFL. Uh, lots to talk about there. Let's cut out for a quick break. When we come back, we'll sort of review that conversation with Ricky. We're going to set up the groundwork for the Crush 2020 War on Sugar. We'll look at some of your texts. Again, the text question of the day in your humble or bold opinion, what is the best sporting event on the calendar? And we're also going to look at how much food will we actually consume over the Super Bowl? All that and more coming up after this on Crush Performance. This is Crush Performance. If you have questions, comments, or smart remarks, write to us at crushperformance.com. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Jeff Grishel here, the con man. And today we are talking a bit of Super Bowl. We're talking a bit of nutrition. Just got off a great conversation with Ricky Ying, the performance nutrition director for the Oakland Raiders. Connor, that was a great discussion. It's kind of nice to get a look behind the curtains and how these guys are managing that size of roster. Um, and of course, the move to Las Vegas is a very exciting time for the Oakland Raiders. It really is, and I mean, it, it is too bad for the fan base, the, the long-suffering fans of the Oakland Raiders, but the team is on the up and up, and uh, yeah, that was a very cool interview because that, that's got to be such a unique job. Every player, every position would have, you know, different requirements that they have to do. If you're an offensive lineman, you have to maintain that mass. If you, you know, play a skill position, maybe you're trying to stay a little bit leaner. So very cool stuff, and that, that would be a job where every day is just a little bit different, dealing with different personalities of the players and everything. That was, it was a very cool interview. Yeah, I thought so as well. And a couple of big things for me that came out of that conversation were, one, uh, as you mentioned, getting to know the guys personally, where they come from, what kind of foods they eat. And that's really important. We see that in baseball. We certainly see it in, in soccer as well. But uh, the, with these athletes coming from different parts of the world, even different parts of your country, uh, the food they grew up on and they became an elite athlete on can be very, very different. So you can can't have this cookie cutter menu for performance athletes. You have to get into their personalities and know them, especially at the higher levels. Yeah. And I mean, going away from football, what was the story we heard all about Vladdy Guerrero? Was that his, his grandma had lived with him and was cooking his food and that that's good to a certain extent. But when you want to become an elite athlete and the top of your performance, I think you need to have it a little bit more specialized and having someone who knows exactly what they're talking about and can, can put something together for you goes a long way. Yep. I agree. And also, I like the idea and the comments that uh, Ricky made regarding diets and fad diets. A lot of the diets out there that even the athletes get caught up in, um, you have to be really careful. You have to make sure it works for you and works for your routine uh, in the sport you're in. And, and that really comes down to the crux of that conversation. Even at the highest level, you have to get into a routine. You have to be familiar with the foods you eat. You have to set up a base and then you start tweaking it as you move on, learn more or get people around you. You can start advancing your program, but you have to have that strong base. Fantastic conversation. Let me ask you this, Connor, as we head into the Super Bowl weekend here. What is a Super Bowl going to look like in Las Vegas, man? <laughs> Can oh you imagine? I, I just, I wonder. And I, I don't know if you remember the NBA All-Star game they had in Las Vegas. I do. It did not go very well. I wonder about the Super Bowl. But if there's a town that's 
ready to host the party that is the Super Bowl. All these companies, all these athletes have their big parties. I mean, it probably just looks like another weekend in Vegas. So yeah. they'll be ready for it. And uh, I'm actually heading down there in mid-August. So maybe I'll be able to sneak in there for a preseason game. That new stadium looks outstanding. Oh, well, let me know and we'll hook you up. There's no doubt about it. Well, yeah. Oh, I will be letting yeah. you know then. No, because <laughs> I'd like to. I'm not going to get down there before that. So I'd really like to uh, see what you think about uh, what's going on inside that new stadium. Yeah, and it's, it's an interesting time for the NFL. I mean, the three franchises moving within you know five years, the Raiders to Vegas and then the two teams to the, the Los Angeles area. And now starting next season, you'll have two of the nicest stadiums in the world in the NFL and Super Bowls, WrestleManias, all sorts of things. I know there's convention centers connected to them. I mean, it's really great for the NFL. It's great for these two cities and their economies. And uh, if the teams can turn it around on the field, I know the the Rams went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but if they can turn that around, uh, things can be good for for these markets. Yep, absolutely. So a lot to take away from there. And I think the big one is even pro athletes are really, really conscious of what they're consuming. And we want you to be as well. And that's one of the reasons behind the Crush War on Sugar. We're going to be dedicating one segment per month this year to the Crush War on Sugar uh, to raise awareness of the dangers and the downside of too much sugar in your diet. If you look at obesity, you look at diet. Diabetes. Um, you look at Alzheimer's and uh, degenerative brain disease. They're all linked to this massive, massive influx of sugar that we've seen in our diets. As a matter of fact, if you get down to the hard facts, if we look at where we were at back in, let's say, the early records go back as far as 1822. All right. In 1822, we consume the amount of sugar in one regular soda can, 12-ounce soda can, every five days. Today, we consume that much every seven hours. It's been measured that we are up to around between 100, 150, depending which study you look at, pounds of sugar per year. And back in 1822, we were only consuming 6.3 pounds per person per year. Again, we are now up above 100 pounds, and some studies are saying as high as 150, 170 pounds in certain areas of sugar per year. How much should we be consuming each day? Well, for males and adults in general, we're consuming way too much. And you have to be conscious of the extra added sugar. And we want to limit sugar to about five teaspoons a day for women, nine teaspoons for men. We're consuming right now about 22 teaspoons per day on average. It's way too much. Children are even worse off. So parents, coaches, we have to start having this conversation because listen, in 2010, when the World Health Organization announced that we are looking at the first generation of humans to have a shorter lifespan than their parents, it was quite alarming for a lot of people. Children right now on average are consuming about 34 teaspoons of sugar uh, a day. Adults are about 22. Children are at 34. It can't happen. They need to be around 4 teaspoons. Added sugar. We're going to be talking about this more in the days to come and one episode per month dedicated to the crushed war on sugar. It is an absolute epidemic catastrophe that's going on when it comes to our diet, and we're going to try to help you fix it. Speaking of diets, okay, as we wrap up the show today, um, what are we going to be consuming over this Super Bowl weekend? Well, listen to this. Here's the general numbers. We're going to be consuming about 8 million pounds of popcorn, 28 million pounds of potato chips, In terms of avocados, guacamole is a big hit on Super Bowl weekend. 53.5 million pounds of avocados. 
And if you look at the number of football fields it would take to grow those avocados, you'd need about 222,000 football fields of avocados to grow that much. When we get to chicken wings, everybody, 1.3 billion, Connor, and about 325 gallons of beer. Enjoy Super Bowl weekend, everybody. We're going to be back next week talking more sport performance right here on Crush Performance. Thanks for tuning in. This is a place for my head quick fix on Radio Influence. I never learned that self, self-care trait. Right. All of it put together, and then your entire life changes in the blink of an eye. Yep. And it's like, how do you rebound? How do you regroup? How do you rebuild when you're not recovering and you're not healing? It's like so discouraging. It's beyond discouraging. And yet... Three months later, I was back to work. I was back on the air, back in the studio, back to my grind. I had to always put on a happy face while I was a suffering, miserable prick because I couldn't figure out how to fix it. That's frustrating as hell in and of itself. It was like being in your own personal hell. Personal, yeah. And, and you know, those closest to me, outside of my mom and my wife, I would always get, why are you living in the past? Let it go. If, you know, the, the, all of this stuff happened years ago. Why, do, why, why does it still affect you? And it's like, you guys have no idea. Yeah. No idea. You're, I mean, you're not hundred percent healed. You're still going through after but, but all they that don't, shit, but, but they don't know that they don't know that because I'm back to work and I'm back grinding and I'm not, I, I'm, I'm back, should be back to where I was. Oh, and you're putting on the, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. (laughs) A place for my head with Brandon Thompson and Jerry P. Tuck can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.